But today we have the unique privilege of continuing our series, Getting Into Shape. And we're not talking about physical fitness. We've been talking about things to increase our what? Our spiritual fitness and how we can become stronger in our relationship with Jesus. Because that's our ultimate goal and purpose on the earth, I think, is to strengthen our relationship with Christ so why we can impact the world for Him. So we're continuing that series. We've talked about different disciplines, but today we're talking about two disciplines that are very uh, important. Our... our um, Theme verse, if you will, is coming from 1 Timothy chapter 4, and it says this, Train yourself to be godly, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So the spiritual training we get is of more value than physical training. Now, it's not disregarding the physical training. It says it's some value to us. But more important, would you say, is reaching people for Jesus Christ. More important is spreading the good news of Christ. And so I'm going to read this uh, this morning. We're going, if you'd like to, to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter uh, 6. We'll just read that in just a moment. But the two disciplines we're looking at today is simplicity and service. How many know that simplicity and service are important to our uh, relationship with not only Christ but also others? Because the greatest obstacle to godliness that we have is self-centeredness. And so simplicity and service gets us out of the self-centered mind and onto things of Christ. In fact, some of the most wealthy people in dealing with simplicity live very, very simple lives. In fact, uh, I've been hearing and reading a lot on my podcast about Warren uh, Buffett and how simple his life is. Now, you may think that the first or second uh, richest person in the world would eat at extravagant restaurants, but actually his breakfast normally every day is $3.17 at McDonald's. He gets an $18 haircut, which I don't know what that's like, but if I was to estimate, it'd probably be somewhere around $18 around here. I don't know. But nonetheless, he's not on the extravagant end. He lives on the simple end, and he's very wealthy. But the spiritual discipline of simplicity is an inward reality that reflects and is displayed an outward lifestyle. It's worth a little value to hear about it from a worldly perspective, from rich people or people that have wealth, using it in a good way. But more importantly would be what does God's Word say? What does God say about living simply? And Matthew chapter 6, as we mentioned just a moment ago, will tell us, and it says this if you'll look on the screen. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, will he not much more clothe you, ye of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And then verse 33, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, 
And all these things will be given to you as well. What a great point. I think after all those verses, the, the, the summation of those verses in 33 says what? Seek first His righteousness. Because if we're putting a priority on God first, guess what? Our lives will be a little more simple. If we keep our focus on Him, our lives would look a little different. So seek the kingdom of God and the righteousness of His kingdom, and then everything else necessary will come in its proper order. So there are a couple of things about simplicity that I'm going to run through really quickly today. And it, it causes us to develop these three things in view of simplicity. And the first is this. We have a healthy pace of life. How many know that sometimes we get really busy? And I mean sometimes we get busy for just the sake of being busy. I know for me, I'd much rather be out doing something, out in the yard working, doing a task than sitting at home. That's just my nature. My grandfather is the same way. He's, he's in his 80s. He would much rather be fixing a lawnmower or fixing a car than he would be sitting in the house because my grandma was driving him crazy. That's what he'd say anyway. They're, they're awesome. But again, my life is filled with busyness because I allow it to be that way. And the same can be said for you or me. If we are overly busy and if we're not careful, we can program God out of our lives, even if we're doing things for God. And it's really difficult because many of you know I work with Cardio Blessings, a nonprofit which does homeless ministry. So at least once a month I'm doing something for them and then the church and all kinds of things that we have going on in community and children and spouses and family. And it gets busy, right? So we got to be careful that we slow down and appreciate creation. It's nice to just go outside. Yesterday was a great day to be outdoors after all this cold. I didn't move to North Carolina for that. But anyway, it was nice and 60 degrees. I got some work done on the fence I'd been wanting to do and got to play with the dogs outside. And Canaan enjoyed his slide for the first time since Christmas. I mean, it was a great day. But slowing down and allowing the Creator to speak to you through, through His creation, through His nature, slowing down and appreciating the small blessings that life blesses and God blesses us with us every day. Because there's little blessings every day that we can find if we slow down. So we have a healthy view of and a healthy pace of life. And then second, we're going to have a healthy view of possessions. A healthy view of possessions. Now, possessions aren't bad. We've talked about this before in our, our financial series, which we'll probably do in the near future. Possessions aren't bad. God gives us uh, things to enjoy, but the, the perspective is that He owns it all anyway, right? So when we're giving to a ministry or a nonprofit, God owns it all. We're just giving back to Him what He's allowed us to have. And so that's important to remember. But we can get consumed, if we're not careful, of our possessions because they can take more importance, priority in our lives than God can. And that's a dangerous place to be at. But the key is not to let our possessions to lead us to idolatry. To keep that verse in mind, to seek God first. You know the quote by Dave Ramsey is this, we buy things we don't need with money we don't like to impress, um, with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. You know? That's what he always says in his uh, finance talks. We don't need all that fancy stuff, but why do we do it? Because somebody on Facebook posted that they had it, so we ought to do it, right? You know, I found really, side note, really cool ways to make things look more expensive than they are with my phone, camera. You know, you can do that, right? You can make things look, uh, there was a song by Brad Paisley years ago. I'm famous on MySpace or something like that. Because he's created his profile as a six foot three, 
tall, dark, handsome man with six-pack abs, and he's none of that, but he can create his life. So anyway, it was just funny because you have to have a healthy view of possessions. We don't have to impress anybody. Third today is this, a healthy stewardship of talents and abilities. God's given each of us talents and abilities that nobody else has. Well, some people have them, you know what I mean? But yours are unique. For example, I can't fix a car or build something because eventually it's going to fall apart. Uh, you, you all know this. So I'd rather have someone more experienced to do that. And someone more experienced in construction might not be able to play an instrument or, or sing or something. So we all have things that work together in the body of Christ. But when you have a God-given gift and talent, it's also very difficult to tell someone no. Hey, can you come do this? Can you come serve? Can you come help us? Can you come donate? And it's very difficult to have that no word in your vocabulary. And I'm telling you that a healthy stewardship includes declining some ministry opportunities sometimes. But it also means when we're not doing anything to step up into the plate and say, God, use me where you can. I may not be gifted at singing or preaching, but goodness, I can fix something. I can go talk a word of encouragement. I can donate money. Whatever it is, get involved and steward what God has given you. Because sometimes you got to say no for your family. Sometimes you got to say no for your community, but sometimes there's that yes, that you have to do it for the Lord, which will make much more of an impact. So we have to keep our lives simple, and part of that is having a healthy stewardship of our talents and abilities. So in summary, the, the simplicity aspect, holding a high view of God and a view of God first and a top priority in our lives will help us keep our lives simple. And I would say that God has to give us the courage, the wisdom, and the strength to do that each and every day. So now let's switch over and talk about service very briefly. And service is that aspect that Jesus models for us in Scripture and also His disciples and following. And that's what we're supposed to do as the church is model service like Jesus. There's a quote there in your notes that says this, Nothing disciplines the inordinate desires of the flesh like service. And nothing transforms the desires of the flesh like serving in hiddenness. In fact, Cardio Blessings always jokes with me because I'm behind the camera oftentimes and nobody ever sees me. I had to go live with them a couple weeks ago. And they're like, wow, this gets you from behind the camera. And I'm like, no, 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 I much prefer that. I don't like being videoed. You know, I much prefer being on the, on the backside of things where nobody sees me. Why? Because I want to just serve, not for somebody to see me. I want to serve in hiddenness. I want to serve for Jesus, not for man. So that's what we got to look at. Matthew chapter 20, 24 says this. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. They were angry. Jesus called them together and said this. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so much with you. And then, then he says this. Instead, this is opposite and counterculture. Whoever wants to become great among you, must become what? Your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So th there's three things through the discipline of service we can learn today and we can observe. And the first is this. We can follow the model of Jesus Christ in service. Isn't that what our life's about anyway is following Jesus? Man, if we got that right, everything kind of fixed itself, right? First priority, following after Jesus, listening to his commands, understanding that we're here 
to reach the lost. So in John chapter 13, he gets up from this fancy meal that they've had together, the fellowship time. I imagine it was a great time together. He gets up from the meal, and what does he do? He pours water into a basin. He begins washing his disciples' feet. Now remember, in, in this time of, of, uh, of culture and life, they didn't have shoes with coverings on them. Oftentimes they were very put-together, thrown-together type sandals to protect their feet if they had anything at all. So these were not clean feet, right? He put a towel around him. He came to Simon and said, let me wash your feet. And Simon said, no, Lord, don't, don't wash my feet. And, and then he said, not just my, he ends up going through the conversation, not just my feet, but my head's hand and, hands and head too. He said, not just my feet if that's the case, but everything. But Jesus finished washing their feet. He put his clothes and he returned to his place. He said this, verse 12. Do you understand what I have done for you? Verse 13. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so for that's what I am. And now I have washed your feet and you should also wash another one's feet. I have set an example for you that you should do. Very truly I tell you in verse 16, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be what? Blessed if you do them. Jesus tells us in the same way, go and wash somebody's feet. Does he literally mean wash somebody's feet? Well, if it calls for it, sure. It's not a very exciting thing to do. We, I've been a process of that before. It's, it's, it's incredible. But the big takeaway from that is to serve one another with Christ-like humility. Because even he had a position in, in scriptures of being a rabbi or teacher was a very good position. Even though that, he became lowly and washed the disciples' feet when they were the dirtiest feet of all. So what does that tell us? We have to follow Jesus. Serve those who we lead. Serve those who are going to betray us. Think about that. Serve those who are going to deny us. Because that's what Jesus was doing. So how did he set us an example? Well, first of all, he gave us his life. He healed the sick. He performed miracles. He was out working in the community. He preached the good news. And he gave hope to the hopeless. Now, how much more of those things should we do to follow Christ's example? So not only do we have to follow the example of Christ, but number two, we have to die to ourselves as we serve others. Philippians 2 and 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. How much more could we get accomplished in life, in our culture, if we focused on somebody else's needs above our own? One of the funniest things I've ever seen, honest story, is people running other people over in the store to get to something that's on sale. Absolutely the most hilarious thing I've ever seen. Like, I think it's crazy. I just go click a button and it's the same price, but I just think that <laughs> don't try to push people over, run people over for, this, for something that's going to benefit you, right? And that's the same principle here. Not looking to your own interest, but of each to the interests of other. When I started at the university, Lee University in Tennessee, one of the first things we did the first day was called Deke Day. D-E-K-E. -E. It's Greek word for Deke. I can't pronounce it. Service, basically. I'm not even going to try. Service Day is basically what it translates to. So every student was required to serve for six to eight hours 
in some capacity. So we had people with Habitat for Humanity, people at retirement homes, nursing homes, or whatever, encouraging people. I laid some music with a keyboard at a nursing home. It was really fun. You know, we got to see all kinds of things, but the service aspect was ingrained in every student on the first day. Why? Because they wanted everyone to know and all their students to know that they were a school of service. Serving the community first, and that's exactly what our church needs to be, is a service-minded church community, church service-minded community. Why? Because it brings people together. It helps us to work towards a common goal of what? Reaching people for Jesus, showing the love of Jesus. There's actually a whole class I took called Servanthood Evangelism talking about how we can do acts of service to others and meet a physical need, and then they're more receptive to the gospel. In fact, Jesus modeled the same thing. Most often, before he even shared the good news, guess what? He healed someone. He healed those people and sick. So we have to serve and become people of service. So we can serve in our workplace, right? We can go above and beyond. We can impress our boss, even when we don't feel like it. Serve our family, serve our spouse, serve our church and other organizations in our community. So we have to die to ourselves. And lastly today, we have to grow in the grace of humility. How many knows humility is very important? We talked about it briefly just a moment ago, but humility is a key uh, factor because we don't want to say, oh, we gave this amount of money to this or we serve this so it's all great you should just think about that we should promote it on facebook that i did that you know that's not the kind of attitude we want what the kind of attitude we're looking for is this and jesus models it you call me teacher and yet do you understand what i'm doing for you i'm being a servant i am lowering myself in a role so that you may be blessed and then the same thing out of that same verse not looking to our own interests but each of the interests of others. Because when we put the interests of others above our own, Christ is honored. Christ is glorified. Why? Because that's what he modeled for us. When is the last time you humbled yourself and picked up trash along the highway that you didn't put there? That's humbling. Maybe it's cleaning uh, toilets at church or, or maybe it's even at home. You can do that out of worship, right? And out of humility. There's things that we can do every day that we would humble ourselves. And I apologize for these lights today. There's nothing really I can do about them, though. I'm going to remain humble about that. <laughs> Maybe feeding the homeless that have less than stellar living conditions or going on a missions trip and, and reaching those kinds of people. When was the last time you focused on service like Jesus modeled for us? Because that's one thing I found, that it really opens up my eyes to all God has blessed me with is when I serve others that are less fortunate, more, more importantly. In fact, I shared a little bit. Last week we were in Durham giving away uh, supplies to the homeless and helping out homeless, and we picked up trash for this tent community, if you will, off the, uh, the interstate that just lived in the trees. They had tents you know, out of tarps, and they were there. And Anyway, it's just humbling because they had food laid out for three or four days. There was a big ball game at Duke University, and people brought them trays of food. They had nowhere to store it, so it's just sitting out. But they're eating it, you know? And for me, I'm just like, wow, thank you, Lord, because we have warm meals or I, you know, have the access to that where they don't. You know, so how can I give back out of humility? How can I do that? Because when we operate out of that humility, I'm telling you, our community is going to change. Our church is going to change. 
Our whole world will change if we look at service like through the eyes of Christ. And so today I'll ask Kristen to come as we close. But a life of service impacts more than just you. And that's the really cool thing is if you hear the story of the pregnancy center and how they show these young women these ultrasounds and they see the gift of life, but they also hear the gift of life. They hear and taste of that living water that Jesus talks about. And then their lives are forever changed. Why? Because they served out of humility and they gave out of what God has already blessed them with. And that's where I think our biggest impact as a church could ever be is in the area of service. Because there's so many people asking for things in our culture. There's so many people that are demanding that they be heard in our culture. But how many people are giving things? How many people are giving of themselves in our culture? And serving others, the world would think was crazy. How could they give $100,000 to there? Because God owns it all anyway. And sometimes, uh, my, my parents, they, they, they modeled giving. Um, I remember one Thanksgiving and Christmas, we went to this house, and for lack of a better word, it looked like a tobacco barn. I don't know if you remember what those looked like, but they're not very fancy. We got a concrete, maybe a cinder block foundation. But there was holes in the wall, there was holes in the floor, there was four or five kids living there, and mom and dad, and we brought them this big Tupperware tub full of canned goods, and we brought paper towels, and then we cooked them Thanksgiving meal and brought pies, and I just remember this in my, my mind, but it was modeled for me, and I saw, man, it hurt my heart when I went into that house. And we changed the way we did Christmas after that. We changed the way we did Thanksgiving after that. Why? Because we saw that God had blessed us so much. We have more than we need. Can't we just bless somebody else a little more than we can take in? And the answer is yes. And so we did. And, and we start blessing families every Thanksgiving. So it was interesting around my house because my dad gets very frustrated in the kitchen. I do too. If I'm cooking for a lot of people, you don't want to get in my way. It's just not going in well. And he's the same way. He had 10 pumpkin pies cooking at one time. And it's like, stay out of the kitchen, you know. Nobody goes in the kitchen. And don't take a slice either because it ain't for you, you know. But it showed me the humility in serving others because it gives you a perspective that you wouldn't normally have. When you go to a place like that or serve people that are less fortunate, it gives you a different perspective. And it humbles us like Christ. I think that's key. So we've scheduled a couple of serve days in our calendar this year and ways that we can serve our community. And maybe it might be volunteering at the soup kitchen or, or picking up trash on the highway, whatever that turns out to be this year. Let it be that you participate because you want to be like Christ. Let it be that you start doing these things every day in your own life because you want your family to be impacted. That you want your spouse and your, your children to follow after you and and know how Jesus humbled himself and served others. Because when we live like Christ, we begin to see things differently. Service is not a list of things we do. But through that, we discover things to do. 
because it's not a code of ethics that we live by, but a way we, we live our lives. We can't pretend service is just one Saturday, just like I said, we're going to schedule those, but we can't pretend like that's the only service day we do service. We have to do service every day. We have to serve each and every day. If you're interested in reading more about these spiritual disciplines, we can talk after service. I have a couple books that we would like to recommend, but I'm not going to read them off right now. But if you'll stand with me, let's close today in prayer. I realize we've had a lot of service elements today, and it's been a great day. Look, I've enjoyed the worship time because the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and I could see that He was moving in this room. And I can see even now that God is using His Word to challenge our hearts and our minds, and that's amazing. It's an excellent thing. But for a moment, let's not worry about rushing, and let's worry about listening. Just close your eyes for a moment and ask the Lord to show you ways in your life, practical ways this week, that you can serve and be more simplistic like Jesus. Because I'm telling you, when we focus and rely on Him, our lives will be forever changed. So Lord, today as we pray, we ask that you would just help us to see things through your eyes. Give us a fresh perspective of simplicity and service, God, because you modeled both of those. And God, as a church today, we focus on going out in our communities and making an impact there, not because we're great, but because you're great. So help us to steward our talents and abilities, our gifts for you. Help us to impact our neighbors, our businesses around. God, our community, our families even, God. Help us right where we are, our schools, our workplace. Everywhere we go, let people see a different light inside of us that would attract them and draw them to you and your grace. God, the grace we don't deserve and that none of us earned, but the grace that is freely given. And so today, Lord, we honor you and we worship you and we say thank you for the gift of sacrifice that you did on the cross for our sins. Thank you for the act of humility you modeled for us in Scripture of washing the disciples' feet, filthy feet, Lord. And you load, lowered yourself to a level that is not normal of a king. But God, we thank you today that you are a king that sets different trends and different standards in our culture. So today we honor you and we ask that you would just help us see those opportunities, those God opportunities. And even with the Pregnancy Resource Center, God, you could connect us with that. How we could serve and volunteer and give and donate and things. God, other partnered ministries that we have in Statesville to impact our community for Jesus. Because that's our goal. So today, Father, we close and we just ask that you would help us this week to see things through your eyes. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be blessed. And we'll be back next week uh, as we finish up the Getting Into Shape series. Have a great week.